Hey, if you're glad Jesus loves you, can you say amen? Man, I'm glad Jesus loves me. Sometimes I wonder if anyone loves me, but I know Jesus does. And praise the Lord for all the music tonight. It was great. Take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 1. We've had another great day at the Wilds, and I am really excited about tonight. Hey, we got fun time later on, but we got stuff we got to do before fun time. We got some business with the Lord in our own lives that we have to do. So Monday night, we started out with this idea of that God has an expected end for us. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. And everything that he has done in our life, he's putting it together for a reason. And tonight is very much that way. Um, Now, I want to tell you about the introduction tonight. Introductions, I teach homiletics three, and I tell them, I say, man, you got to get their attention with the introduction. Introductions are really important. You got to lead it into where you're headed. So tonight, I As pumped as I am about my message, I'm a little concerned about my introduction, because my introduction depends on you. Okay, so you're a part of my introduction. You're not part. You are the introduction. If you mess up, I have a bad introduction. If you do well, I got a good introduction, okay? So I need you to help me. So here's my introduction tonight. I'm going to ask you a question. And when I ask you that question, you're going to respond. And the question will be responded with either the answer yes or the answer no. Okay, so I want to practice a little bit and just see how loud it's going to be in here. The louder you are, the better my introduction is. Okay, so here we go. Let's practice for a moment. Uh, um, if it's going to, if you're going to say yes to the question, let's hear how, well, let's just take a minute. Don't say no yet. Boy, what a negative guy, all right? But listen, uh, if you're going to say yes, let's hear how loud it's going to be, all right? So here we go. Three, two, one. Yes! That wasn't bad. That actually was pretty good, but you can do better. All right? Three, two, one. Yes! Yeah, now we're talking. Now we're talking. Okay, now I asked the question. One guy's already figured out the answer. But if it's no, I want to hear what that's going to sound like tonight. So here we go. Three, two, one. No. Come on, give me a good no. You know, like you're selling your, you know. No. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. No. All right, here we go. The question is Are men and women equal? Hey, hey, guys, help me out on my introduction here. Are men and women equal? Well, wait. Guys, you kind of went from yes to no here, all right? I'm going to give you one more shot to help me on my introduction. Are men and women equal? Take your, let's find out what the Bible says. Take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Let's go to the beginning and let's figure this whole thing out. Wow, man, that was just, I don't know. Genesis chapter 1. Let's begin at verse number 26. And God, that's Elohim, and that's plural, that's, you know, and God said, let us. That isn't God and the angels, gang. That is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Not three parts, three persons. 
And God said, let us, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, make, now, the next word's important. Because the next word doesn't refer to masculinity in a male. It refers to mankind. It refers to all human beings. And God said, let us make man in our image. So I want to stop here and I want to tell you something. Nobody in this room was made like a raccoon. You're not like a reptile. No one here is created in the same way as a bird. You are not like the trees, the mountains, the insects, the fish. You are not like any other created being. When he created man, he created man in his own image. Now that is not a physical image, for God is a spirit. And we that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So we're not talking about a physical image like God made you with a nose because he's got a nose. No, 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 no. God is a spirit. He made you in his image. Now that is really cool. You have a God consciousness about you. You have an eternalness in you. You are going to live somewhere forever. Now, you have been living in this body for whatever it is, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 years. You've been living in this tabernacle, but that's not who you are. You are a spirit and a soul, and that will live forever. This is the house that you've been dwelling in, but that house is going to be leaving one day. It's going to go back to the ground. But who you are will be eternal. That is not true with your cat. Praise the Lord. That is not true. Oh, I got another cat thing tonight. But anyways, that is not true with your dog. That is not true with any other created thing on this planet. You have a God-given image. Everything else is created with uh, uh, instinct and runs it by that. But you have a conscience. And you have a God consciousness about you. And every human being has that in them that God created them. And you know one thing when you talk to an atheist, ask them when they became an atheist. And by the way, usually it's when they go to state university. But ask them when they became an atheist, because I'm going to tell you why. No one is born an atheist. You have to become an atheist. You're born a believer in God, because that's the God consciousness in every one of you. Hey, a little aside, but this is really cool, and it goes with our song, Jesus is Better. And, and Matt talked about this, I think, the first night. And I want to tell you this. The way that we're created because we're eternal beings, this planet will never satisfy what we got going on inside. It will never satisfy. There isn't anything. By the way, there's a guy who tried it all. There's a guy who tried liquor. He tried ladies. Whoa, did he try ladies? He tried learning. He tried labor. He tried everything under the sun. But until he understood the Lord, until he came to the Lord, he was an empty person. That guy is Solomon. Solomon had everything this planet can offer, but he was still empty. It was all vain. And I will tell you, young person, sex will not satisfy you. Drugs will not satisfy A relationship, a pickup truck, it doesn't matter. It will not satisfy. There is nothing on this planet that will give you what you need except for Jesus Christ, because we're eternal beings. So when it says here, and God said, let us make man, that is so important.
to understand that every one of you have the image of God in you. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air. All right, here we go. Now I need your help. Look at verse 27. So, are men and women equal? Well, let's try to find this thing out, okay? Genesis 1.27 is going to show it to us. So God, now there's going to be sometimes I'm going to need your help, so give it to me good. You guys have been really loud. That's great. So God created everyone together. Man. Man. That is all humans, folks. Okay, this is not politically correct to say anymore, but it is biblical. There is only one race of people on planet Earth, and that is the human race. That's all there is, young people. There's not races of people. There is the human race. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, I need your help again. In the image of God created he, everyone together, what's the next word? Created he, him, singular form. Are men and women equal, Brother Shuffler? Now look what happens. Created he, him. Male and female created he, everyone together. What's the last word? Whoa, whoa. We just went from singular to plural. God created mankind equal. All right, now hear this. Are men and women equal? The answer, absolutely, without a question, the answer is yes. Men and women are equal in value, in worth. In importance. And God's people said, do you not agree with that? Men and women are equal in worth, value, and importance. Jesus Christ died on the cross for every woman in this auditorium. And Jesus Christ died on the cross for every man in this auditorium. The Lord has a perfect will for every young man in this room. And the Lord has a perfect will of equal importance, value, and worth for every woman in here. Are men and women equal? The answer is absolutely yes. But the answer is absolutely, positively, no question. The answer is no. Men and women are not equal when it comes to your role, to your function, to your responsibility. If we're talking about the role, the responsibility, and the function of male and female, you're not equal. If we're talking about the worth and the importance and the value of each one of you, you're equal. Brother Shadow, that was a trick question. Oh, yeah, that was a trick question. Yeah. Are men and women equal? Yes, in value, but not in role. Now, some of you are going, okay, so like he's into this thing five minutes, and I am totally lost. That's why I brought something with me. I brought something with me. So everyone together, what did Brother Shetler bring? Everyone together. A thermos, an igloo. Yeah, no. I did not bring a thermos. I brought a man. This is man. Yeah. It's rough. It's tough. 
This is man. You can throw man around. Hey, give me. Hey, throw that man back here, will you? Give me that man. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I brought a man. I brought a man. Whoa. Oh. <laughs> well, that was a lousy kick. Man, we got to kick man better than that. Okay, here we go. Whoa. Oh. Give me that man, will ya? Throw that man here. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is man. Hey, here you go. Yeah, hey. Hey, hey. You just caught yourself a man. Good job, girl. How about that? You'll remember this week forever. What's your name? Alana? You got your man this week, man. He's pretty chill. All he does is he drinks a lot. Okay, amen. You got your man. Everyone together, what do we got? Man. We got man. I brought something else, though. Now, on our 10th wedding anniversary, I bought my wife, I bought my wife eight crystal goblets. Everyone together? Everyone together? What do I have here? No, this is a goblet. This is a goblet. Okay, drinking glass. No, this is woman. This is woman. Okay, so this... You don't do that. No, no, no. no, no. I want to be able to go home. Okay, all right. All right, guys, this is woman. Now, let me tell you something about man and woman for a second, okay? So you can put water in this. You can put water in this. You can put iced tea in here. You can put iced tea in here. Hey, you put Mountain Dew in here. You put Mountain Dew in here. You put Dr. Pepper in here. You put Dr. Pepper in here. You put milk in here. You put milk in here. You can put the same thing in both these vessels, you know what? You can put the Holy Spirit of God in a man. And you can put the Holy Spirit of God in a woman. Are men and women equal? Oh, they're equal in worth and value. By the way, if we're talking about worth and value, this really, this is much more important. But, and that would, that would probably be true with most of the, the, yeah, anyways. But if we're talking about worth and value, there's an equal. They both have value. They both have worth. But if you're talking about role and responsibility, man, these two are really different. Hey, you come to my house and we go to the beach. I say, hey, let me get my thermos. We'll fill it up with something. You come over, we're going to have a nice dinner at my house. We're going to put these at the top of every one of the plates. You see, there's a different role. You can put water and you can put iced tea in the same thing. But they have two very different roles, functions, responsibilities. Now, young people, I want to talk to you for a minute. I'm out doing a lot of preaching. I will preach in six camps this summer. I preach in about six, seven camps. I probably do five to, to eight youth conferences, youth rallies a year. Can I tell you something? I am seeing more and more of these act like this. And I'm seeing more and more of these act like this. Yeah, I got to tell you, we are messed up on what our gender is. And we are messed up on the way that we're supposed to respond. Value, exactly the same. Men are not more important than women, and women do not have more value than men. 
When it comes to worth, value, and importance, you guys are equal. But when it comes to role and responsibility, you are not the same. And I have to tell you, ladies need to learn how to start becoming ladies again. And men need to start becoming men again. Now, I want to tell you also, did you notice something? So the man, you can throw around. The woman, you can't do that. So listen to me, what I'm going to say, because this may be one of the five most important things of the night, so you hear well. This is a weaker vessel, but it is not an inferior vessel. That's the place to say amen, folks. This is in weaker vessel, but it's not inferior. So, the greatest need of this vessel will always be security and protection. And the greatest need of this vessel will always be respect and affirmation. And the sooner that you learn that, you begin to understand your role and your function. You see, if the greatest need of this vessel is security and protection, then that's what you do, young man. If the greatest need of this vessel is respect and affirmation, then, young lady, that's what you give, that support, that encouragement. You see, we really find... By the way, marriage is not that complex. Marriage is pretty simple. You find out what gender you are in the marriage and you live out the roles of the gender that you are and you will meet the needs of the spouse that you love. So let me share this with you young people tonight. We're going to look at what it means to be a man first and then we're going to look at what it means to be a godly lady as well. And we see both of these things, they have the same value and importance but they're not the same when it comes to role when it comes to responsibility and function i want to share this with you i want you to hear this because i can tell you're really locked in so i want to give you something really good right now satan has always had a goal with mankind now hear this it's always to get man away from the truth so the way that he does that is he blurs distinction. Separation is one of the most important doctrines of the Bible. Because without separation, there cannot be distinction and there cannot be discernment. Separation allows us to know what God's way is and what man's way is. A biblical worldview begins at separation. Notice how God separated the morning from the night. Notice in everything that God did, one thing that the evolutionists have never been able to do, they cannot get one species into another species. They can have evolution and adaptation and natural selection within the species, but they can't get jump. There's no fossil records of any species going from one to another because God is a God of separation. Now listen to me. There should be a difference between the music of the world and the music of a Christian. There ought to be the difference in the way that you dress. I'm not talking about weird. I'm not talking that you can't look good. 
But there should be a modesty and a distinction in your dress. That's a young man. That's a young lady. By the way, do you know science has proved this? If whatever gender you are, if you're walking somewhere and you see another human being, do you know the very first reaction of your mind is to find out what gender is coming at you? Because depending on the gender that's coming at you will depend the way that you react to that gender. And God created us that way. Now let me tell you what Satan has done. Because this is really big. I'm, right now, my life, I am so focused on believers learning how to discern right from wrong. It amazes me. In my student body, I mean, those kids love God. And it amazes me how undiscerning they are about different things. And I'll tell you why. Everything is blurred today. We don't know what's right and we don't know what's wrong. And let me tell you what Satan does. The first thing that Satan does in dropping distinction is it brings confusion. Do you think we're having confusion in our culture right now? Whoa! And confusion leads to conflict. Whoa! By the way, a lot of marriages have an enormous amount of conflict going on in their marriage because they have destroyed the distinction between husband and wife. And they don't know their roles, and they're not living it out, and they're confused about what does a husband do? What is a wife supposed to be? And that confusion has now led to uh, conflict. But you can't live with conflict. You cannot live in a constant state of conflict. So you know what you do? You compromise. Satan leads you from confusion when you destroy separation. This is happening in music. It's happening with fashion in, in our Christian circles. And it's happening with gender distinction. You go from confusion to conflict to compromise. And the ultimate goal of Satan is corruption. And that's what he will finally do is corrupt. And I want to tell you this about this gender thing. Folks, do you understand that you are male and female before you're even a child of God. I want to say that again. Do you know that your identity as a human being is first connected to your gender? The very first thing about your identity on who you are is either male or female. Look at what's happening in kindergartens today. They're destroying what you are as a person. If you don't even know what you are in your gender, how can you even know anything else about you? Because the very first thing that God created about you is you're either male or you're a female. That is the very first thing. This is big time stuff. I never thought I would deal with these things at a camp, at a Christian camp. But some of you, you're struggling, and you got friends and relatives that are going like, wow, Brother Shaw, I just want you to know what you're saying already tonight. That's not what's being taught out there, but it's what the Bible teaches. I was speaking in another camp two summers ago. Beautiful young girl, eighth grader, got saved on Tuesday night. Really, just really special. Really, just great. Wednesday, I preached this message. End of the message, she comes down. She's a tall eighth grader. And she looked at me, and she's got tears coming down her eyes. And she said, Brother Jim, 
She said, I'm so confused. I said, what's wrong? And I knew she got saved the night before. I said, what's wrong? She said, well, last night I became a child of God. I said, I know. What's wrong tonight? She said, you talked about male and female. She said, the school I go to have taught us that there's 73 genders to choose from. But tonight you said we're male or female, and I think I'm a female. And I thought, oh, my. Oh, my. That girl is so confused, and she just got saved. But her school teaches you can pick from 72, 73 genders. Young person, I just want you to know that what we're talking about tonight, I believe, could change our country. If we got 700 young people that committed to their gender and became what God created them to be and be committed to the roles, the functions, and the responsibility, I believe what's in this auditorium could change this country. That would be another good time for an amen. amen. Because I believe that with all of my heart. Young person, I'm telling you, We've got to at least know what we are as we go on to serve the Lord. So I want to talk to the men first, if I could, for just a second. And, and I want to tell you, first of all, the three areas that men should be in. Number one, men are protectors. Everyone together, men are? Amen. Amen. Number two, men are providers. Everyone together, number two, men are? Providers. And number three, men are leaders. And everyone together, men are? Okay, you are protectors, you are providers, and you are leaders. First of all, you are protectors. If you're walking down a sidewalk with a young lady, guys, where do you walk? You're walking down a sidewalk with a young lady, where do you walk? On the outside, closest to the road. Because if you get hit, it's not a big loss, okay? No, you're there to protect. You're walking down a sidewalk. You're closest to the danger because that's what you do. You protect. So my, um, my son, Luke, I told you about him today. Uh, uh, Luke, uh, when he was 16, I, I got him a police scanner for Christmas. He just loved it. And uh, so he was doing so. Oh, no, when he was 15, at, at 15 when he was at Christmas. But when he came to 16 for his 16th birthday, I asked him, hey, Luke, what would you like for your birthday party? And Luke said, you know, Dad, what I'd love to do? I'd love to go to a 911 dispatch center. I said, cool, that sounds good. I thought, that's going to be cheap. I think we can do this, you know. So I happened to know the, the sheriff of Escambia County. Uh, back then, it was a guy named Ron McNesby. And I called him up, and I said, hey, this is Pastor Jim. And he said, oh, yeah, Pastor, what can I do for you? I said, listen, I got a 16-year-old boy that got a, 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 dis, a, a, a police scanner at Christmas, and now he wants to go see the dispatch at 911 for his birthday. He said, before I finished talking, he said, you got it. He said, make sure you come on Saturday night. That's the best night to come. Come on Saturday night. And I said, okay, that sounds good. So I, I told him he could bring one guest. So me and uh, his, his friend was Matt. And Luke uh, went to the dispatch center in Escambia County on a Saturday night. I don't know when we got there. I think it was about 7 o'clock or something like that. And we go in, and, and there's all these little cubicles. I think there were nine of them in a small, in a small room. And, and they were all, you know, they were answering phones and stuff like that. And we're just walking around and listening to the calls coming in. You know, it was kind of interesting. We were there for about an hour. And, and, and I don't remember. It might have been 45 minutes. It might have been an hour and a half. But we were there, and a call comes in. 
And the one dispatcher put it on the intercom so everyone could hear it. The woman was screaming. She was hysterical. She's yelling. She's help me, help me. There's a man in the back. I can see him. He's going to kill us. And, you know, she's just screaming. And the, and the dispatcher's trying to settle her down. Said, ma'am, we'll get someone at the house right away. We've got your location. We're sending police over right now and everything. And, man, we're around the cubicle and we're listening. And the woman says, I can see him outside. He's got something in his hand. He's going to kill us. He's going to kill And we're going like, whoa, man, this is a good one, man. This is getting exciting, you know. And so we're watching and we're listening, you know. And it's, I'm telling you. It's like less than three minutes that they, they, they start coming. The police get there. She said, ma'am, the police have a right. They better. They're going to kill me. She, he's going to kill me. He's in the shed. He's gonna, ma'am, the police are, have arrived. And you could, in the back of the phone, you could hear in the back. You know, they, were, they, they were knocking on the door. Ma'am, the police are there. They're knocking on the door. Go open it. And she said, no. No, ma'am, the good guys are there. Open the door. No, I won't do it. Ma'am, if you don't open the door, they're going to break your door down. And she said, no lie, I'm not telling you anything. I'm not embellishing the story. She said, well, maybe my husband can do it. Your husband's there, ma'am? Yes. He's under the bed with the children. (laughs) Ma'am. Get your husband out from the bed and go open the door. You know what we don't need, guys? We don't need chickens, okay? We don't need chickens. You know what? We got enough men who are chickens. We need some eagles. Amen, girls? Listen, I got to tell you, some of you guys are such chickens about what a man ought to be. You are the protectors. You are the providers. And I want to tell you something, guys. You are the leaders. Now listen, I want to stop because I want to do everything carefully tonight. Brother Shetler, do you not believe that a woman could ever be a leader? No, let me say this. I got to tell you, Next election, you know who I'm hoping I'm going to vote for? A woman named Nikki Haley. I hope she runs for president. I think she's a Christian. I think she'd be a godly president. Whoa, 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 whoa. But here's what I want to tell you something. So I'm not against women running for office, da, 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 da. But I am going to tell you this. In a culture the way God created, men are to be the leaders. And there's two characteristics, young guys, that you better get a hold of. As a leader, you are the initiator and you are and you take responsibility. You own it. If your youth group is not what it ought to be, come on, guys, let's start taking some initiative. If you're not reaching your community, you're you're the guy, you're the man. And as men, you are the leaders, you are the providers, you are the protectors. There's three areas guys, with young ladies that you should never do. You should never do. I want to give them to you. If you're writing notes, you need to write them down. Number one, a young man should never threaten a young lady. Now, I want to tell you something, girls. If a guy ever gets angry and shows physical 
contact to you in an angry, threatening way, you are out of that relationship faster than anything. No young man should ever threaten a young lady with their strength or intimidate or with jealousy, whatever. Let me share this, though. Guys, we're going to learn something tonight, okay? Guys, do you know the number one way you threaten girls? Oh, I don't, I don't threaten girls, Brother Shetler. I, I, would never, I would never touch a girl in an angry way. But you threaten them. Yeah, no, no I don't, Brother Shetler. You do. And let me tell you how. You threaten them with these two things. It's where you look. And that girl knows where you're looking. And that is not the part of the body that she wants you to look at. And she feels very threatened because of your eyes. And by the way, girls, you get a guy that can control these. You got a man that can control other areas of his life. You got a good guy there. And if he can't control these, and he's got wandering eyes all the time, not only at you, but at others. That tells you something about what's going on in the inside. Guys, I will tell you something. You should never threaten a young lady. And I don't mean just physically, but I do mean physically. But I also mean don't ever threaten a young lady with your eyes on where you look. You make sure you make eye contact. And you make sure you're looking at the face. And you make sure that you're not threatening a girl. Number two, a young man should never tease a young lady. And you say, oh, man, what are you talking about? Can you have any fun with a girl? No, let me talk to you a little bit about teasing. What I mean here is, because they are the weaker vessel, you never tease a girl to embarrass her publicly. Never to embarrass. You can joke with a girl. My heavens, you got a little something going, and it's kind of funny, and it's kind of cute. I don't have a problem with that. But you never tease a girl to embarrass her publicly. Oh, Brother Shelley. Don't worry about that. I would never do that. We only do it in the cabin. We would never do it in front of her. No, 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 no. No, no, that, no, no. That's not what I'm talking about. By the way, you're a foolish guy if you think that what you're saying in the cabin doesn't get to the girls' cabins, okay? Can I just tell you that? You have not grown. You're not very old if you think that. I'm telling you, it all gets out. And by the way, girls, again, I tell you this. If a guy's making fun of another girl, one day he's going to make fun of you. So you be careful. And guys, you do not tease a girl. And you know what? You're in a cabin, and you start talking about a girl or a girl's body part, somebody be the man and say, hey, man, come on. Let's start talking about something different. Let's change the subject. That's what men do. If you want to be a godly man, and you want to be the man that God wants you to be, you don't tease girls in front of them or behind their back. And number three, a young man never threatens a girl, a young man never teases a girl, and a young man never touches a girl. Now, we've got some instructions at the beginning of the week about this touching thing, okay? But let me review and let me help you. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter number 7. So, we didn't say, and it was said in the first night, you know, if a girl falls, she strips on one of the stairs, you are there to help her up. That is not what we're talking about in touch. The Bible is actually quite clear about this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, in verse number 1, help me out when we get to it, will you? 1 Corinthians 7, 1, now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to, everyone together, what's the next word? Touch a woman. 
Well, I know you're thinking, Brother Sheldon, what in the world does that touch word mean? Well, let me tell you. It is quite a deep Greek word, and it's used different ways. But do you know that the core of that word actually has this idea? Are you ready? Do you know what it means not to touch a woman? It means not to ignite a fire, start a fire. It means that you do not start a fire with a young lady. So I think we're all old enough in here to to hear something tonight and learn something tonight. Things you already know. Men are stimulated by the visual. And we're going to talk about that in a few moments, ladies. Men are stimulated with their eyes. And guys, you've got to make a covenant with your eyes all of your life. And I'm just being transparent with you tonight. If you think, well, Brother Sheldon, probably when we get old like you, you probably can't even see. So you probably don't have a problem anymore. No, let me tell you something. At 64 years of age, Jim Shetler's got to protect his eyes. And I'm telling you, at 16, you've got to protect your eyes. But let me tell you this. Girls are not stimulated by sight. And by the way, guys, you ought to be thankful for that. But uh, <laughs> I've never said that before, but I've always wanted to. <laughs> But girls are stimulated by touch, by caress. Now, the Bible says marriage is honorable above all and the bed undefiled. There is a place that God created because God is the one who created physical intimacy. The world, Satan, and evolution did not. God is the one who created it. But he created it to burn in a place. And where it's supposed to burn is the marriage bed. And where it burns in the right place is great. Now, um, I want to teach you girls something tonight that you're going to learn. All young men, if you're a young man here, raise your hand. Okay, so let me tell you about every hand that's up here right now. Okay, you can put them down. A, A guy at seven years of age, somewhere around there, turns into a pyromaniac. I just want you to know that. Every guy in here has this pyromaniac gene to them. There is something about guys and fire. I don't know what it is, but there's just something, okay? One of the most exciting days of my life was I found out as a little boy that gasoline ignited. That was like, okay, this is like one of the coolest days of my life. You know, I poured gasoline everywhere and lit it, you know. I poured it on this, I poured it on on my cat, I poured it on this, you know. I didn't have a cat, trust me. I mean, I just, I have a gasoline, boosh, it ignited. Now, I got to tell you, I have three sons. So my three sons absolutely love fire. And wherever, whenever we go camping, we got, it doesn't matter if it's 86 degrees at night, we got a campfire. We're a little bit away from it, but we got a campfire. I mean, we just got to have fire. So I'll tell you what we did. We lived in Florida, and in our house, we had this really weird thing. It was called a fireplace. Well, you didn't use it much in Florida, about six times out of the year. And the boys, all year long, I had this big, huge plastic thing that a palm tree came in. And, this, and they would pick up sticks and pine cones all year long, and we'd put it in the praise bin. And then when it was time for the first fire, we'd bring it inside, and we'd put it by the fire. And my wife's just going, 
I go, come on, huh? this is very spiritual. So we want to do it like the wilds. You take your little stick and you throw it in the fire and you do your little testimony thing, you know, and you do your little thing because we want to be like the wilds. You know, I didn't say that, but anyways. So they put their little, you know, they, and, and, and so we started doing it. So you got to give a praise for everything in the thing. Well, the, the boys are just so excited. So, you know, Ben goes first. He gets a pine cone. I praise the Lord for my salvation. I go, yeah, way to go, Ben. And then Luke, and I, I, I praise the Lord for my mom and dad. Way to go, Luke, you know. And then Drew, I praise the Lord for my stuffed animals. I go, all right, you know. He was 14, and then on and <laughs> So he's a little guy, you know. I praise the Lord for my stuffed animals. And then they just, after about 20 minutes, they're praising the Lord for the refrigerator. They're praising the Lord for their right foot, you know. But the fire's getting big. And I mean, it's snap, crackling, and popping. And it's getting big. And Marilee says, Jim, you need to close the screen. Well, honey... If we close the screen, you can't throw anything in it. Jim, it needs to go down a little. It's fine. Go ahead, boys. Keep going. You got some good praises going, and the fire's getting big. Well, it is in 45 seconds after Marilee said, you need to close the screen, that the space shuttle comes flying out of the fireplace. I mean, this huge hunkin' orange amber pops and comes flying out of the fireplace. And we're all, you know, we're all talking, all of a sudden, psh, and we're all watching. It's got smoke behind it and everything. It's just going, psh, and we're going. <laughs> and it lands right on the carpet. And when it lands, I get up, and everyone's yelling and screaming, and I put down, oh, 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 ah, ah, ah. And it's all done, and there's a big melt spot right in the carpet. And my wife just said, and I went, oh, man, oh, man, oh, 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 and I learned something that day. You know what I learned? I love fire. <laughs> I just love fire. I just something about fire. But I learned. I love fire to burn where it's supposed to burn. And I want to tell you, teenager, you will never be the exception. You take the fire of physical intimacy between a male and a female and you take that fire out of the marriage bed and there will always be damaged and you will always be burned. You will never be the one exception in your teen life that you're going to have immoral sexual activity and you're going to be the one that gets away with it. It's not happening. God created fire but that fire was to burn in the marriage bed. Do not, guys, threaten girls. Do not, young men, tease young ladies. And guys, do not touch a girl to ignite a fire. Okay, Brother Sean, just stop. Are you telling me that I got a girlfriend, I can't hold her hand? Are you telling me I got a girlfriend, I can put my arm around her? No, no, no. Let me tell you this. Let me ask you this. Wrong question. Question is, why are you holding her hand? Why are you putting your arm around her? If you're putting your arm around her to ignite a fire, yeah, you don't do it. You're holding her hand to ignite a fire. No, you don't do it. Men, you're the providers. You're the protectors. You're the leaders. Come on, guys. We need a generation of men. And I'm telling you, if you are the man that you are to be, people notice. I was um, going to LA to fly out and usually I get dropped off. I usually go down with a college student, have an opportunity to mentor them or whatever. But this time I just had to leave a car down at the, at the airport because it was so late. 
and I, I, I left it at Joe's parking. And uh, when, when I got out, I went over to the shuttle, and there's about three people on the shuttle, and I'm, I'm kind of late on my time, but I know they're going to fill that shuttle up. And uh, so I'm sitting there waiting, and more and more people come in. After a while, everyone's talking and everything. After a while, the shuttle is full. I mean, there, there's no place to sit. And there's three women, three like, and you can tell they're very well-dressed, three sharp ladies, and, and, and they're going to get on the shuttle, and I'm going, like, there ain't no more. Everyone's talking and everything, and they're like, ain't no room. The, the first lady gets on, and when the first lady gets on, I got up from my seat, and I said, ma'am, you can have my seat. And when I did that, it got deathly quiet in the shuttle. Everyone in the shuttle got quiet. And I said, ma'am, you can have my seat. And she said, no, 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 it's okay. No, no, you sit there. She's probably thinking, no, you, oh, you're an elder. You know, you sit down here, an old man. But I said, ma'am, no, you have my seat. She said, no, 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 that's okay. The other two ladies get on. And I said, no, ma'am, I'm not going to sit down if you don't. And she goes over and she sits down. And guys, this is no lie. When she sat down, everyone on the shuttle started clapping. I'm going like, and by the way, right after that happened, two other guys got up and the other two girls sat down. (laughs) Here's what I'm going to tell you. It's like, Brother Shuttle, why were they clapping? I'm going to tell you why. Somebody acted like their gender. Guys, the world will take note if you are the man God created you to be. You are the protector, you are the provider, you are the leader. Don't you ever threaten, don't you ever tease, and don't you ever touch. And I will tell you, you will make a great stand for the Lord. Be thankful for the gender God created you and be committed to it. Girls, let me talk to you for just a few moments. Not real long, but I want to share a couple things with you. Ladies, let me tell you what you are to be. You are to be a woman of character, you are to be a woman of compassion, and you are to be a woman of calmness. And I want to talk about this. In Proverbs 31, some of you guys know this, Proverbs 31 is entitled, The What Woman? Everyone together? Virtuous. Okay, we're going to preach on Proverbs 31. Okay, so Proverbs 31 is the virtuous woman. Virtue has the idea of inner strength and beauty. And it has the idea of character. Girls, you are to be women of character. You are to be women of compassion. And you are to be women of calmness. That you don't live by your emotions. And I will tell you, a woman of character, a woman of compassion, and a woman of calmness is very attractive to the other gender. When you are this kind of woman, and can I tell you even cooler than that, a woman of character, compassion, and what was my other one? And, and calmness is of great value to the Lord. And the Lord looks at that, and God's going to bless. You want to talk about your plan for your life? Be the woman God created. Now, girls, there are three, and I think this is very important, there are three things you should never be with a young man. And I want to give them to you. Number one, with a young man, you should never be aggressive. Brother Scheller, I play volleyball. Yeah, okay. Brother Scheller, you got to see me play volleyball. I'd love to see you play volleyball. I'm diving for everything. I'm like the most aggressive person in sports. I'm okay with that. I don't have a problem with that. A woman can be assertive. A woman can be confident. I don't have a problem with that. I said a woman should not be aggressive with everyone together. Men. 
You don't go after guys. That is not what you do, girls. You don't live a life in a way that's aggressive towards girls. And by the way, or towards guys, let me tell you this, by the way. You know, guys kind of like the flattery of that. I think she's really after me. But you know what? That is not who, she wa- who he wants. He wants a challenge, and he wants to be able to pursue. Now, I know this is not what Hollywood is portraying today at all, but it's what the Bible teaches. And girls, you are not to be aggressive towards guys. You're not the one initiating a relationship. You're not the one going after the guy. You let those young men be the men that they ought to be. Number two, a young lady should never be aggressive. Number two, a young lady should never be alluring. She should never be alluring. Now, I know. It's, oh, here it comes. Now we're going to talk about dress. All right, well, let me just tell you this about the dress. It is not only, girls, what you wear. It's also how you wear it. And you be careful what you wear and how you wear it. And, when, and you know who is not a good judge of this is your best friend. Oh, that is so cute on you. Okay, that is not the best judge of what you got on. Can I just tell you this? Girls, you are not to be alluring. And by the way, this is what the Bible teaches. We're going to talk about two points out of this, this chapter. Proverbs chapter 7 talks about the attire of a harlot. The attire of a harlot. That's what the Bible says. So that means there is something that a woman can put on that looks like a harlot. And it can be not only what she puts on, but it can be the way she wears it. And it can be the attire of a harlot. But that is really what I want to talk about. Girls, can I tell you what happens in Proverbs 7? The number one way that he, she finally got the young man to fall was not by what she was wearing. It was by what she was saying. And girls, your greatest allurement is not your dress. It's your speech. You be careful what you say. And I'm going to tell you something, guys. A girl's talking trashy, and you're on, and you're texting, and all of a sudden there's photographs and all that. Let me tell you something. That is a girl that you need to stay away from. Don't, a girl should not be aggressive, and a girl should not be alluring. And number three, and there's girls that don't like this one. Number three, girls should not be argumentative. Well, I disagree with that. I think that's my point. <laughs> girls, in just a minute, I'm going to talk to you how you can influence and how you can be used by God Listen to, listen to this for just a moment in 1 Peter chapter 3. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conduct, the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Now, this is so cool. But let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek, and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner, and it, it, it continues on. God, I want to just tell you this, girls. Your greatest influence on society is not to argue with, with guys. You, you do not do anything for the cause of Christ, and you do not do anything for yourself by arguing with a guy. 
By the way, guys are all about challenge. So if you're going to argue with a guy, a guy's going to argue back. And, and, and that is not the way to influence the other gender. So I want to close, girls, by talking to you for a minute about your influence. Because you are being given a lie. You are being told today, in almost every Hollywood movie, you are being told today that this is something to be stepped on and you've got to be more like this. And girls, that is not the way God created you and that is not where you have your influence. So you hear what I'm about to tell you right now. Nobody did this this week, but once in a great while, people will come up to me and they'll say, hey, Brother Sheldon, who has influenced your life the most? Now, when somebody asks me that question, they want to hear a pastor or a big preacher's name or somebody that I've known. But that is not what I say. The two people that have influenced Jim Shetler more than anyone else is my mom and Mary Lee. Nobody has ever influenced my life more than my mom and my wife. Girls, can I tell you how my wife does it? She doesn't do it by arguing with me. She does it in the way, because she's got, there is a challenge in the way that she lives her life. She stays valuable and she stays a woman. And that causes me to be what I need to be. And she, in, she knows when to talk to me. She knows how to talk to me. And she knows how to influence my life. Now listen to this scenario. Some of you are going like, oh, you know, that all sounds really good, but it doesn't work that way. Yes, it does. Okay, so let's just say, let's just say we're out on the field and there's an eighth grade boy and that eighth grade boy um, is by some girls. And um, um, the girls, she's, got, she's, got, she's having her lunch out at the ball field and she's got her plate and everything like that. And uh, she's not that attractive of a girl. She's kind of plain looking. And she's got her, she's taking her trash back. And as she's taking her trash back, her other cabin folks, the other girls in the cabin started running. And so she gets up to start running and she just falls. The trash goes everywhere and she falls. And an eighth grade boy sees that. And the eighth grade boy goes, you know what, man, let me go over and help that girl. And he helps her up and he helps fix up the trash and he throws it away. Later on that day on the camp, they're waiting somewhere and that eighth grade boy's in line. And one of the counselor girls from the wilds saw what happened out in the field. And the counselor girl from the wilds goes over to the eighth grade boy and says, Hey, I saw what you did at lunch today. I just want you to know, I thought that was really cool. Good job. That eighth grade boy will never be the same. Oh, no, because what's his greatest desire? Respect and affirmation, and he just got it from a wild girl counselor? <sighs> okay, he's looking around what else he can do. He's pushing girls down to help them back up. <laughs> Did you notice that? Did you notice that? Girls, can I tell you something? You have way more influence on the guys in this room than you think you do. If I was starting a church plant, I was starting a youth group, and I could pick any 10, 10 young people in all the world, you know what I'd pick? I'd pick seven godly, pretty girls and three guys. 
What? You just preach about all these guys' leadership. Oh, I'll get all the guy leadership I need. The girls will set the temperature. The girls will be the thermo, uh, thermostat. And if they're godly girls, guys will rise to that level. Girls, I'm going to tell you something. If you say, man, our youth group's just a bunch of duds. I hope they're listening tonight. Let me tell you, girls, you better be listening tonight. Because if you want the men that you want to see in your youth group, start being the women that you ought to be. Because I'm telling you something. Women influence guys. And if you're the godly woman that you are to be, you're calm. You got that character. You, you got that compassion. I'm going to tell you something. The level of leadership in that youth group will go up because that's the way you influence girls. So here we are. I am absolutely convinced that this gender battle is a way that I can see Christ coming back into our culture. Because God created us male and female. So here's what I'm out doing. I'm out recruiting, man. And I'll tell you what I'm recruiting tonight. You give me 700 teenagers that will fulfill, and tonight get on their knees somewhere on this campground and say, God, thank you for the gender that you created me. God, I want to thank you that you made me a woman. God, I am so thankful. I don't think I have ever told you this. But dear God, thank you for making me a female. For guys to get on their knees tonight and say, dear God, thank you for making me a male. And then number two, I am totally committed to being the man and to being the woman that God wants me to be. God, I leave this camp with anything this week. I leave this camp committed to the gender that you, commit, that you created me to be. Young people, you give me an army of men and women that are committed to their gender and will do what we said tonight and we will begin to see revival because your schools do not know what it means to be a male or a female, but they want to see it. And I'm talking Christian schools as much as public schools and you know it as well as I. Guys, I'm traveling around. These are turning into these. And these are turning into these. Will you be the generation? And will you be the group? Will you be the group of believers that says, hey, Brother Shetler, it's starting tonight at the wilds. It starts tonight with this group of young people. Dear God, I want to be the man. Dear God, thank you for allowing me to be a woman. And God, I am committed to my role.